In today's episode of the Greatest Games Podcast, we bring you Rich Gatewood of the more traditional school in Louisville, Kentucky. What an incredible and unique story that Coach Gatewood has through his journey in high school basketball. Can't wait to bring you this episode today. It's one of the most real conversations we've had on this podcast. So, Coach, we appreciate you coming on. But before we get to today's episode, we encourage you to check out the Competitive Mindset Podcast with Billy Kegler, episode 73 with Dave Royston, 72 with Chad Songy of PGC Basketball. Absolutely incredible content. Check him out, the Competitive Mindset Podcast, and on social media at competitive pod and you've heard us talk about it for a long time fans and coaches it's the off season check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for incredible coaching resources from the great steve collins again teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball he has all you need to become a better coach again teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball and let's head on into the studio with coach rich gatewood Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. That is correct, Chris de Blasio. And we are back in the studio. You know, we, we our fans were, I, I would say, dare I say, a little bit upset at the hiatus we took in January, February. But I tell you what, we are back with some great guests, and we are going to the Bluegrass State, beautiful, beautiful Kentucky, Jefferson County. He is now the brand-new head coach, back again at more traditional school, Rich Gatewood. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. We're glad to have you. Thanks for having me. And, we, and, and his son is joining us. He's, gonna, he's observing, and we're going to make him, <laughs> we're gonna make him sing my old Kentucky home right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, I, like I said to Richard in our pre-show chatter that I, that I lived in the bluegrass state for 10 months and I still know the lyrics to my old Kentucky home and the Kentucky fight song. There you go. That is, it's a, it's a special place as we were talking about just in the pre-show chatter, just watching, watching games, Chris and I, we've been fortunate to see games in, in Rupp Arena, I don't believe the South Carolina Gamecocks ever ever got a win those those times that we were there. But just just as you as you said, Rich, just a basketball crazy area, but knowledgeable fans. It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, that's where they um, have the state tournament at every year. And mm-hmm. you know, I was fortunate enough before I came down to South Carolina. You know, I went to a school called Taylor County, and we actually went to back to back state championships there. And you know, uh, we don't have classes in Kentucky. So that's it. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it's got its pros and cons. We don't have classes, but then you can have little podunk, uh, you know, school from Eastern Kentucky that's got 300 kids and makes it to the state tournament. And next thing you know, they're beating teams that are not supposed to be beaten. Crowd kind of gets behind them and they're beating schools that got 2,000 plus kids. And, you know, that's kind of what makes it special. But yeah, man, it's, you know, to, to be blessed enough to coach there on that floor twice, it's it's a really cool feeling, man. Because like you said, it, it's rough at the end of the day, you know, so much history. Uh, before we get going here, Coach, I'm going to ask you a question in a second, but i like to get Brian with a trivia question. He got the last one right. I did. So I'm going to give him another layup tonight. Brian, what world-famous, all-time great athlete is from Louisville, Kentucky? What? Oh, hold on. That's easy. 
what world famous world famous athlete not specifically basketball player not a basketball player world famous oh, athlete, all-time great world famous athlete i'm feeling the pressure yeah. now rich i mean definitely a layup this I mean, it's, a, it's a layup it's I, the layup of all layups. i mean chris there are there is it, is it is it curling are we talking about curling here no, no, he's the greatest athlete of all time i mean I've, I've got my own opinions on that i mean it sounds you, a little bit subjective uh, Chris de Blasio, tell me, what, what do we have? What do, what do you want to give as the hint? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Uh, he's, more known by, he's more known by the name he changed to in adult life rather than his very good. Yep. Oh, um, oh, what's his face? Bruce Jenner? Is that what? No, <laughs> no that is, okay. that's a terrific guess. I mean, Muhammad Ali. Ali. Oh, Muhammad Ali. Okay, yeah, that's a, he's a great athlete as well. Bruce Jenner, another great Bruce athlete. That was a terrific <laughs> guess for my hint. I love it. <laughs> we can go ahead and end the podcast right now. Richard is going to have to have you back because I yeah, we can't come yeah. back. <laughs> my only man, the greatest of all time, no doubt about it. Well, coach, let's get back into the basketball. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your coaching journey and how you got to uh, where you are today there at more traditional school? Well, I started actually coaching when I was 23 years old. I uh, was assistant at where I played high school at here in town. Bounced around to a couple few different spots. Um, actually uh, was an assistant for three or four years and then got my first head coaching job when I was 27 at more traditional school, actually 10 years ago now. Uh, was young, stupid, full of energy and you know, willing to learn, um, you know, always tell our guys, you know, you got to work on your craft. the same thing as a coach. You know, I see guys all the time that run the same underneath inbounds play that doesn't work. They've been running it for 10 years. You know, I'm always looking at different ways to improve my craft. And, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, that's where it all started. Um, from 2000, let's see, 12, 2013, I was the head coach at Louisville Moore. Um, and then after a year, I left to go to Taylor County High School, which is about an hour south uh, a Louisville in Campbellsville, Kentucky, and a well-known uh, uh, NBA player that's from there uh, is Clem Haskins. Uh, and Clem actually went to high school at Taylor County, uh, you know, played with the Washington Bullets uh, for a long time and coached around, was at Minnesota, and he actually would come to all our home games, which was pretty cool. Was there for three years, um, you know, had an enormous amount of success. They didn't go to a state tournament for 32 years and we did it in year two. Um, then we went to back to back, um, which was pretty cool, you know, and we, you know, like we were talking earlier, got the coaching rough arena cause that's where our state tournament's held. There's 16 regions in the state of Kentucky. Uh, two regions only come out of Louisville and the rest is, uh, you know, obviously is uh, throughout the whole state, but unbelievable experience, you know, just the, the, the history and you could just feel it when you walk in so I was there for three years. Uh, then the 2016, I took a job in 20, 22 Feet Academy down there in South Carolina uh, where I met your co-host. And, you know, it's one of those things where I was looking at to come down there, to come down to do prep school for a year or two and then possibly jump to college. You know, and I had three young boys at the time and we moved our whole family down there and, you know, thought it could be a, a good situation. And come to find out, it was more of me just putting out fires, you know, um, the only benefit that really came out of that whole situation was we signed about eight kids to division one schools off that team. Um, you know, one's playing pro ball right now in Turkey. Um, you know, but 
it was just a, it was just an absolute, uh, you know, debacle. If you, if you want to put it like that, you know, I mean, I'm down there trying to get kids to college and I'm putting out fires right and left and, you know, stuff that was promised to me and it wasn't and stuff that was supposed to be here, how they were living did not come through, you know, me and me and my wife, we moved in kids in our house, you know, I mean, we lost money, you know, we, we, we used some of our own money to help kids and feed them, you know, whatever it may be with extra meals and, you know, that just didn't have the money, you know, to, to, to have extra snacks or whatever it may be, you know, and it, it just, you know, it sucks because, you know, we went 29 and nine, uh, we played in the Bojangles bash and had a great showing. And, you know, it was one of those things that was, you know, uh, you think it's going to be one thing. And a lot of people don't know what it's like behind closed doors at prep schools. You know, they see, uh, you know, all these stars on social media, but they have no idea what goes on behind it. I mean, it's, it can be a money scheme. It can be one of these things um, where, you know, you actually might have a kind hearted person trying to help kids get to college, but you know, it's, it's a lot of it's glorified AAU. If I want to be honest, you know, it's, it's, it's high level talent. Um, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the year I was there, our league consists of DeAndre Ayton, former number one pick, Gary Trent Jr., who's with the Raptors, uh, Lugens Dork, who plays with the Oklahoma City Thunder, also Shagayas Alexander. Um, I mean, the list goes on. That league that year was unbelievable. Um, you know, so it was a – I mean, the experience-wise uh, was unbelievable, and the connections I was able to make in the state of South Carolina at the time was awesome. You know, because I've still got friends down there today. Uh, you know, the coaches at College of Charleston that used to be at Winthrop, that whole staff, I'm still good friends with them. So, you know, I was able to make connections down there for future players that I try to get in high school, I mean, you know, from high school to college to get there. Because if you really look at it from Charlotte down to Savannah, Georgia, over to Atlanta, I mean, you're talking, there's probably a, over 100, 200 Division One, Division Two. NAI junior college D3 schools. And that's unbelievable because you're right there in a hotbed uh, for schools. So, you know, the, the good thing was, is we got those kids signed, you know, we got them to college and then, you know, I took a couple of years off. Um, we moved back to Louisville after school, ended up closing, obviously. Um, and then uh, I took two years off and then took a job in here in town. It's called Aspire Prep. And they were actually in our league when I was at 22 feet and I met, the uh, co-founder, Jeremy Kipnis, when I coached down there, and we kind of stayed in touch. And then when he came to Louisville, I was the second year that they had a post-grad team. Um, and we had a great year. We went 22-6, and six, and we actually had six kids from Louisville on that team, but we signed all nine, um, which is awesome. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, that's kind of what it's all about is, you know, getting kids to college. If you do things the right way, you'll win. You know, I tell our guys all the time, and I tell our coaches staff, I don't never want to say the word win you know, because it puts too much pressure. You know, we, you've got to implement things as working hard, you know, being productive, being on time, you know, being locked in, trusting the process, you know, just different stuff like that to where you're kind of teaching them, you know, these life lessons through basketball. And if you, if they buy into it, you know, you're going to win, you know, uh, I hate using the word win or loss because it's just, you know, you, you build pressure up and then, you know, that makes them think, well, that's the only reason why coach is here. So, so we can win, you know, and, Kids are different than they were 10 years ago, you know, and then they're definitely different than they were 20 years ago. So as a coach, you know, you have to uh, kind of adjust, you know, how you see things and how you develop them at the end of the day. I, I think that's a, a great point. And, yeah, you, you talk about Jeremy Kipnis. He brought his guys down to the 
Bojangles mm-hmm. Bash, and what a, what a great guy. Did a great year at, at Memphis. Was texting with him a, a few weeks ago, and I know that the season didn't end like they wanted it to, but another another great guy. I mean, you talk about connections, too. Those guys went through College of Charleston. It's such a um, – basketball such a, a, a neat community, a great thing. But but you talk about 10 years ago how kids are different and, and how you are different and how you've adapted um, to be able to coach kids now. Take, a, take us a little bit deeper now and, and talk about this job that you've got back again. I know you were at Moore uh, 10 years ago. You get back into it now. What are some of those things that you anticipate are going to be different at more traditional school and the kids that you're going to be working with now uh, 10 years later? Now, the difference is, you know, I had other job offers, you know, the year after I was at Aspire and none of it really made sense. And it had to be a, a situation that made sense. So, for instance, now the athletic director that's there was my middle school coach and teacher for three years, was a very big father figure to me. That was that was one part of it. And then our principal, uh, Tracy Hunt, um, she is a athletic driven principal. You know, I mean, now that she wants basketball to win, she wants us to win in every sport, volleyball, uh, you know, women's basketball, football, uh, baseball, softball, whatever it may be. Um, she wants us to win in everything. So that's what made sense about it. You know, and another thing that makes sense about it is, is that we have a middle school attached to our school. We're the only school in Jefferson County like that. So if you can build your feeder program, which is your middle school, you know, by the time you get to high school, you don't have to recruit like crazy because it is the wild, wild west up here. You know, you have transfers a lot right and left, but if you can develop that early on, you know, through your sixth, seventh and eighth grade program, which is what we're going to do, you know, it, it becomes easy, um, once they get to high school and, and to mention they can also play up, you know, so if we have a good eighth grade or a good seventh grade, that's good enough to play up high school, you know, we're going to play them up, you know, and that's a big selling point, you know, for them is to play them up early, let them get their butt kicked, let them get some experience. And then, you know, in two or three years, they're going to be a beast, you know, and uh, it's just a uh, unique situation that we have with that. Um, you know, she's, she's helped our, our athletic department's helping with a lot of stuff. You know, they're buying us two new shooting machines, obviously, you know, you being in athletics, you understand how important that is. You know, if you've got stuff, machines like that, it's a big, uh, you know, a tool to get good student athletes in your school, but also, you know, to get the proper work in, you know, um, it just, it relieves a lot of stress off a coach when you have help, um, like you should. And, you know, I definitely do now. I mean, you know, they're willing to help us with a lot. So that, that was the biggest factor, definitely uh, coming back into it. You got to recruit, uh, recruit the uh, backcourt from Bates elementary. I hear they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, That's... they're definitely, yeah, they're definitely <laughs> it's school night. So we're going back to school. So Cooper's got to go get ready for bed. So that's right. I'm on but, spring uh... break. I can stay up as late as I want on this. School <laughs> yeah. But I, but yeah. I have a seven forty five tea time. Tomorrow, there you so. go. Oh man. I can only imagine how nice that is down there right now. <laughs> I'm in New Jersey. So oh, it's going to be, it's gonna be oh, wow. 38 degrees when I hit the oh, golf wow. course, but I, I don't gotcha. care. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't remember what I wanted to ask. Uh, the school, the things, the stuff. Oh, no, you were just talking about a- athletics being successful and helping out the school. Um, I-, I think principals, I hope athletic directors, you know, understand that. But I think even on the high school level, like you said, they, it, you know, having successful athletic programs can help a school. I know this year everyone saw it up here uh, in college in the NCAA tournament with St. Peter's. Um, their enrollment or uh, applications, the day they beat Kentucky, 
there was, I think they said 16 times more hits on their website that next day than normal. Just hits on the St. Peter's College website, not athletics, nothing, just the college. Um, So I think I think that's hugely important. But, Coach, I wanted to ask you, um, you you talked about your experience at at Aspire um, or 22 feet, and then you wound up going to Aspire. And was there a moment after that you said you took some time off uh, and I uh, beautiful children there and then a wife and. Did you think about not going back into coaching? Was was there anything, or did you always know you you were going to get back into it just in the right situation? Yes and no. You know, it's one of those things where you go down there and you're just exhausted because you move your whole family eight hours away and it don't work out. And you know, it's you're trying to get kids in college too, and you know, it's it just it's just one of those things where um, you know you just you're just completely exhausted at the end of the day and it's like, is it worth it? You know, this is what I really want to do. You know, when I took the time off, I had a lot of coaching friends up here. It was like, dude, you're a basketball coach. You know, what are you doing? You know, I had a, you know, regular seven to five job and, you know, it was very humbling, you know, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I had my friends telling me, it's like, dude, you're a coach. You're good at what you do. You're good at helping kids. Like, you know, you need to get back into it. And trust me, I mean, it was, it was a very hard, you know, a couple of years, you know, when you do something that you love and you love helping kids and you take that time off, it's extremely stressful, you know, and not to mention when we moved down there, you know, it put us in a financial bind and we moved back, you know, it's not like I was making a lot of money when I went down there and then I lost money actually. And then, you know, you move back home and you're kind of behind again, you know, and it was just, it was extremely tough. And yeah, absolutely. I had thoughts about just completely getting out of it. And, you know, my kids were, into it at the time. And I never pushed basketball on them. And next thing you know, it's like, when we moved back, it was like, let me go to the gym. I was like, absolutely. You know, they were wanting to go to the gym every night just to work on ball handling, whatever maybe shooting. And it just, it was like, it started to pick up. And then I went to the year at Aspire and I mean, it, it got to feeling again and we signed all those kids and we had a great year and then boom, COVID hit and it kind of like shut everything down again. And, you know, I was back to square one, you know, where I was and, and absolutely, you know, I mentally it was it was extremely tough, you know, depression, uh, anxiety, you know, because when you do that for so many years, something that you love and you and you have and you have success at it, you're helping kids get to college and, you know, you see them doing well, especially after college. It's you know, it can mentally take a toll on you. And it definitely did with me, you know, and when this came, this job came open, I was contacted, you know, months ago and you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it was like a cat and mouse. I liked it, you know, cause it's kind of a rebuild, um, from when I left it, you know, 10 years ago. And then I started talking to AD and, you know, the principal's like, listen, we're going to help, you know, we're going to get you what you need to make this program be successful. Then I started listening to him a little bit more and we started talking and next thing you know, boom, it happened, you know, and you know, the thing is, you know, people know that, our kids are going to play hard. They're going to take care of business in the classroom. They're going to be coached up. Uh, they're going to want to be coached hard. And, you know, they're, go- they're going to have to trust the process. They're, you know, you know, I'm big on, you know, they know the whole situation. You know, in Louisville and Jefferson County in particular, it's kind of tough because you can actually play with less than a 2-5, which is a complete joke. So, basically, you're setting kids up for failure. You know, but if you play for me, you got to have at least a C average. If you can't, if you can't have a C average, it's going to be hard for me to get you in any college. Just about you're going to be JUCO bound, you know. And 
a lot of these ADs in Jefferson County, they really, you know, they don't, they don't care. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's all of them, but they don't care what the kids grades are, you know, because if you can play with three C's and two D's, if I say that to any parent, I mean, they're going to think that's kind of messed up that you can play with that kind of GPA, you know? And then I told our kids the other day when we met them, I was like, if you don't have a two, five or higher, I can't do nothing for you. There's no sense of you playing, you know? So you should see the look on their face because they, you know, they played in the past with bad grades and I was just being, you know, blunt with them, you know, listen, this is what's expected. You know, if you can't make this, I'm wasting your time and you're wasting my time. There's no other way around it. You know, this is not going to be a situation where you, you, you know, you show up late or you show when you can and you do some great, you know, do some work when you can and, and whatnot. That's not what it's going to be. And, and you guys know how it is when, when you got things rolling on the court and in the classroom, it just continues to snowball, you know? So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. It, it permeates throughout the school. And I love to hear that. And I, and I, I appreciate you sharing your story too. And the thing I love about the story the most is that, knowing you, like you, you never gave up anything. It's just, all right, what am I going to, I'm, I'm going to take these kids in down in South Carolina. All right, now we're moving back here and then boom, boom, boom. You being the person that you are, got you this job back at Moore. And I love you being honest and blunt with those kids. I can only see their face. Like, what do you mean? I can't play if I don't have a two fives. Like, yeah, this yeah. Is standard. This is the expectation. So you being you, that's going to change the world up there. I, 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 I love that so much, Rich. I think that's so great. I think that's so great. Um, Coach, you know the name of the podcast. It's the Greatest Games Podcast. So let's talk some hoops now. You t- you sent in a, a regional final game from the mid-2010. So take us into the gym. Tell us about your Greatest Games. Well, I, I probably have three that just come to mind. You know, the, the first two, obviously, are the regional finals. And you, you guys know being in Kentucky, man, when you play in a regional final, it's packed. Uh, you know, it just is a lot of hype in the, in the stadiums. And, you know, the thing was back in 2015, you know, we've not Taylor County's not been to a state tournament in 32 years. So we were playing in a, uh, we were playing at green County high school, which is probably about 12 minutes from our school and 15 minutes from our school. And basically it was seated. I would say 2,500 and they had to cut it off, and we had probably like around 3,700 people in there. And it was standing room only because, you know, when you go out in the county. Fire marshal and, took the night off, huh? Yes. I mean, I'm telling you, if I have a picture, I, I'm gonna, I have to send it to you guys. But, I mean, they were on the floor in the stands. <laughs> and the thing that, you know, I miss more than anything about being at Taylor County is they love basketball. You know, it's a community of about 25,000 people. It's an hour and a half, you know, hour 15 south of Louisville. And they love basketball. And, you know, when we came, we kind of totally changed, you know, the way they did everything. Like I said, we changed the culture. And um, we had a kid named Quentin Gooden who played at Xavier that went on a run with Chris Mack before he left to Louisville and scored over 3,000 points. You know, just the best kid ever, you know. And we had a solid backcourt with him and another kid named David Sloan, uh, you know, who also just uh, graduated from East Tennessee State. And we're playing in this arena, man, and it's – you know, 35, 3,700 people standing room only. And, you know, like you said, the fire marshal took the night off. They're standing on there. And the thing is crazy was, is we had Jefferson County officials. So back then you would get officials from a different region. So we had them from the six. Well, I knew the three guys and one of them is like a family friend that's known me since I was like born. That's known my mom since high school. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank God we got a good crew. You know, it's going to be a good whistle. 
it's, it's going to be fair. Make a long story short. First 30 seconds, Quentin Gooden gets two fouls. And it's the same official. You know, and one of them was a big flop to where the kid that was guarding him actually was a great player. His name's LJ Coward. He's playing pro ball right now. And he kind of wrapped him up and had him underneath his arm and kind of flopped and threw it. I mean, one of the smartest players I ever coached against. And boom, second foul. Not even, not even, not even 45 seconds in. You know, I'm over going nuts, and the guy's name was Terry Hill. But I'm like, you, I'd like, Terry, it's like, come on, man, it's 30 seconds. It's like you call two fouls on my best player. So, but the good thing was we were deep that year, and we went, you know, seven, eight deep. And you know how it is when you get the postseason, you're playing six, maybe seven. You know, that lineup gets real I'd tight. I played four. I would play yeah. four. <laughs> so, you know, we actually went seven, eight deep that year. And we could because, I mean, we was one of the deepest teams I've ever had. And, um, you know, a kid that came off the bench just took right off to where, you know, Quentin. And this is when I knew Quentin was going to be a star. That kind of packed Jim. And he's a junior. Most kids um, would just pout, duck their head, not say a word, zone out. You know, in that situation, it's regional final not been to one in 32 years. You're this 3,000-point scorer, you know, that's going to go down as the best player in history to ever come out of high school. You get two fouls. He was the biggest cheerleader and coach the rest of the first half. Came in. Cameron Morgison came off the bench for us, big minutes. And, you know, we were able to keep a lead till halftime to like 4-6. And then Quentin came back in the second half, and it was over. You know, I mean, we ended up winning by 18 or 19 points. And, you know, that final – I think it was almost a minute and a half, two minutes, we just dribbled out the clock. And, you know, they didn't call it. They let us dribble it out. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a picture of just our coaching staff. You know, Quentin's dad was on staff. And then another one of my players' dad, Greg Oliver, who is just family to us, was on staff. And when they hugged me, it was like, you know, you know, it's something – it's a feeling, you know, that you, is, you just get – you can't get not less – you know, when you see all that hard work, and you see all the work that we do scouting, you know, I mean, because Brian knows, like, we don't make enough money to do this. So we're putting in, if we don't be good at it, we're going to put in 60 hours a week, whether it's scouting, uh, talking to kids off the floor, plus your practice time, plus your individual skill instruction, opening the gym to get shots up. And the kids, how, you know, just the smiles on their faces and, you know, the in the crowd. I mean, dude, we had a freaking, you know, police escort by state troopers back to the high school afterwards and you know had this big old I mean we was probably 1500 people in our gym afterwards celebrating you know I mean it was unbelievable and in the very following year you know we do it back to back same situation you know we play actually the same team in the finals Barstown High School who's coached by Boo Brewer really good coach he played at Louisville uh and you know we play them again same thing you know in big time atmosphere you know, we're going through it and, you know, you, you just can't duplicate it in a prep school game. You know, that's the difference. The benefit of prep is, you know, the amount of college coaches that you get that you, you'd see, because obviously, you know, there's not a set date. You can play any day of the week, you can play as many games as you want. And the talent level you get to coach against, where on the opposite side, it means something. You know, that those final two minutes, you know, you see smiles, you're getting hugs that, you know, that, that it's just like, you just can't duplicate it, you know? And that's the only thing that that's the difference between when you go from, you know, 
high school, trying to make it to a state tournament to prep school where you're just trying to get a college look. But, you know, that's why I think we'll have success at more is because, you know, we can create those winning seasons again and those hardworking kids and, and get them to college. But also I can use my resources to get college coaches in front of them, you know. So then the third game is obviously we were in the semifinals of the grind session, national championship. Um, we played uh, DeAndre Ayton. We got beat by one. Um, just now you don't have the crowd. We had a little bit of a crowd. We were playing it at Phoenix, but talking about like a high level game, you know, cause we played college rules. We played with a shot clock and we had a kid named Mamadou Diera. who played at Cincinnati for three years and then finished up at Tennessee tech. And he guarded DeAndre a lot of that game. And a lot of people don't realize too, another kid on that team was Josh Green who plays for the Mavericks, you know, played at Arizona. So, I mean, just, high-level talent on the floor, back and forth, back and forth. And, I mean, you know, we make a run, they make a run, and then we got up big, you know, not big. I'd say it was like nine or ten points, the most they've ever been down. You know, and it was probably about eight, nine minutes left. And when you're playing 20-minute halves, the game seems like they feel like forever, you know. And you're sitting there and you're like, they're going to make a run. You know, DeAndre Ayton's either going to be like, get on my back, boys, let's go, you know, or he's going to stop. And I told our guys at timeout, I was like, they're going to make one. And we've got to counter one. But, boy, did they make one, you know. And then, you know, when we made our run to counter, it was just, you know, late. But just unbelievable talent on the floor, you know I mean? But far as, like, um, greatest games. But, yeah, those that regional final the very first time, just simple fact, because they've not been in 32 years. And, you know, 3,700 people in a 2,500-seat arena is pretty cool atmosphere when you think about it. Yeah, coach, I understand the, the DeAndre Ayton and, and uh, the high level there. Give me the game in the high school gym with the police escort back to yeah. the thing. I will take that every time over a, over a college game, over a pro game. I will take that every single time. Um, who was the kid you mentioned came in for the guy that got fouled? So you said a, a guy yeah, came in had, and played some good yeah, minutes. Cam Morgison. So that year we were actually young. So we, we started, uh, one, one junior, let's see. Yeah. Or two juniors, uh, no. Yeah. Two juniors, two sophomores and a senior. So, and then the senior that we brought the bench was Cam Morgison and all year he brought, he bought into that six man role. If there was a six man year or six man of the year work, he was going to get, I mean, I want to say he averaged double digits. It was like around 13, 14 off the bench course. Oh, wow. You know, could spread the floor. You know, yeah, I mean, he played starters minutes, you know, and uh, came in big uh, and, and helped us off the bench and gave us that scoring spark. You know, I mean, made some big shots and, you know, and that kid will remember that for the rest of his life. You know, well, that's and, what I was going to ask. Did did he go on to play in college or not? He did at Lindsey Wilson uh, for a year or two, and then he just finished up his degree and, and graduated early and uh, and got out of it. But, yeah, I mean, he was he was a very good player and he was another one that, you know, he actually transferred into us and he originally was from that school and his parents moved away. Uh, he was at a school that was in the same region, but not very good at the time. And uh, you know, just low, low enrollment. And it was a newer school. And then he came, he transferred back home and, you know, it's kind of like, it's funny because he went to middle school there. He comes back home and comes off the bench and, you know, helps us lead us to a regional title. So well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what I love about the high school game is the Cam Morgansons, 
who right that's that's his ultimate moment in athletics no without a doubt that regional yes. final game I, I just to briefly make it about me um that was a joke guys um <laughs> you are you are a comedian chris the boss Forget about that. I, I had a team that i coached and and we won a regional final on a on a banked three-pointer to put into overtime by our starting center who couldn't shoot from outside of a foot and a half even better banked yeah banked and unfortunately uh one of the kids from that um team's mother passed away about two weeks ago and we were at the funeral and this was i don't know eight seven eight nine years ago and we're still talking about aj's shot even at the funeral you know that's what we talk about is aj's bank shot yep yeah i mean that's that, that's what they'll do. You know, I mean, it's so funny. So there's a little diner there in town and every Friday, Clint Haskins has breakfast with a bunch of the alumni there. So we would play and, you know, they'd go in and talk about it and whatever. And, you know, it's been what seven years since that's happened now, six, seven years. And they still talk about it. You know, they talk about those games and, you know, like you said, it's something that you'll remember for a lifetime. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, Rich. I hadn't really thought about it this until you you go through your story and then you talk about your greatest games here, but and the contrast between the the prep high school, the prep schools, and, and the high schools. Um, and I can't help but think that you know these these high level games, these these greatest games, as you were, um, they mean something to these prep school kids too. Um, but maybe it's just something for me, like, cause I was never a great player. Like I can just really relate to what it's like with the police escort and, and that type of thing and the, the, mm-hmm. the feelings of, of the true high school. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to steer us a little bit. This is, I don't, I don't really know exactly what the question is until I start asking it really with this one, but you've been at the prep school, you're back at more of a traditional high school now. Um, talk about, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong or broken with the the prep school model of, of things that we have right now with, with high level uh, national schools. Um, but just talk about the way that you see the future of way basketball is going now and maybe even how, how it applies to the transfer portal now in college and just the state of the game with, with prep schools and with high schools at large. Does that make any sense what I'm saying? No, it definitely does. You know, I mean, prep school has its benefits, you know, I mean, if, you know, if a kid cannot get cannot get exposure to college coaches, that's the perfect way to go, especially if he's good enough. The second thing is, is they've got to be independently, you know, ready to be academically be able to do a lot of stuff on their own, you know, because you will have some online classes. Um, you know, you'll you'll have some classes to where you'll know you'll be in a room with a teacher and you'll be in there with your teammates. And, you know, for instance, our kids at the time at 22 feet, they went to Anderson Christian. Uh, right there in Anderson, uh, South Carolina, which is a good little, you know, uh, smaller Christian school. But, you know, you 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 have to be able to do some stuff on your own, you know, because there'll be some times where you might have a quiz or you might have to get some work done independently online. And if you're lazy, you know, as it is, a lot of kids can't handle that. You know, if you if you have a lazy student and, you know, you telling me hey, you're going to do work from home, it's going to be on your computer, just like all this COVID stuff that's happened, which has been a total nightmare, you know, they're, they're more likely are going to fail or be, you know, close to it, you know? So, you know, the prep school has its pros and cons, you know, the cons obviously is, you know, it's, it's more like a, you really don't have nothing to play for. Um, you know, you really have to motivate yourself to win a basketball game because you're playing so many games 
But it's in like if I if I lose, I've got another game tomorrow or I've got another game, you know, on the next day, you know. So where, you know, if you're at the high school situation, like we were talking about, it means something to them to win, you know, to have a winning season, to be successful, uh, you know, and I think, I think the preps, the prep stuff is going to continue to, um, I think it'll grow. The thing that, you know, people will have problems with is, is, is the money situation, you know, and it, that's the thing what happened was at Aspire was it just, we ran out of money. You know, we had a good situation. We had dorms, um, that's with some old apartments had a big kitchen to where the, you know, they could cook meals and was actually a good situation. It's just, they ran out of money, you know, and that can happen sometimes. And then people don't realize the cost, you know, when you do a prep school or a basketball Academy and you say you attach yourself to a private school, well, you're going to have to scholarship some kids to get some good players. You're not going to have all paying players. Here's the even better part. When I was at 22 feet, we didn't have one scholarship player. Every single kid was a payer to some amount, which means that tells you how hard they work because I would show up and college coaches would be, he'd be like, you have all payers. And I'd be like, yeah, he didn't. And that was another reason why I left. Like, you know, he was going to give me five scholarship kids and I didn't get one, you know, his, our owner's kids were scholarship, but hell, they weren't good enough to be scholarship, you know? So, um, you know, you run into that facet. So then, you know, you're paying this X amount in tuition I mean, you're looking anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, right? You're right out, you know. So, it's I mean, it's 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 good, and then it's it's got the pros, like I said, it's cons. But you know, I think if you have a high school situation to where like where I'm at, you know, we have a middle school and a high school. We have a coaching staff that is second to none. You know, that's going to coach them up, that's going to care for the kid. You know, we're in the process right now of securing pre-game meals and post-game meals for every game for our varsity team. You know, that's unheard of. Um, you know, that doesn't happen in a lot of places. You know, like when we came out to Bojangles, I was telling people that was one of the best tournaments I've ever been in. Our kids got like Bojangles every day. We got fed good, stayed in a nice hotel. I was telling everybody, I was like, dude, this is this is one of the best events I've ever been to, you know. But, you know, we're in a unique situation to where I've been the prep school route. So say we do get a young kid that needs an extra year. You do have post-grad basketball academies in schools like Hargrave, Putnam Science. You know, you've got a lot of them. So say we get a kid that needs an extra year, you know, there's no, it's nothing for me to reach out to Moravian Prep or somebody else to say, hey, I got a kid that's pretty good. What can we do to get him there? You know, because prep school is not end-all, be-all. Now, I will say this. If you're in a situation to where you can't get pushed in practice every day, and you're six, 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 seven, two twenty, and you're just athletic, and there's really nobody that can push you. Absolutely, you should go, especially if it's a top tier prep school. You know, he's not going to get any better staying there. He's just not. Where I got creative was the year I was at Taylor County. Quentin Good and David Sloan were both high major guards at the time. Quentin Good had close to you know twenty five high major Division one offers. I mean, everybody: Louisville, Florida, Xavier, Tennessee, West Virginia. Ohio State, you name it, he had it. David Sloan did too, you know, Louisville, Tennessee, all these schools, Butler. And I had to be really creative on our schedule and then also um, and how we practiced. And that was the reason why I was able to keep Quentin from going to practice. I mean, he had everybody, Montverde, Oak Hill, Hargrave, you name it, they were all on him. And then I changed their schedule. You know, we played, 
we didn't play a prep schedule, but we played in a lot of good events, flying to the hoop. Um, you know, King of the Bluegrass is a big tournament here in town. We played in that. We got invited to the City of Palms and turned it down one year. Uh, uh, the Arby's Classic in Tennessee, we played in that. So, I mean, we played in some big-time events, but I did that so Quentin could showcase his talents and say to the college coach, listen, this will be a good game to come watch him. This will be a good game to come evaluate him. You know, because that's the problem you run into as a high school coach, especially when they don't have shot clocks, is that it's hard for a college coach to evaluate a kid if you're playing a very bad team. When I was at Taylor County, we had teams that would literally try to hold the ball for two or three minutes. So I had to put in like half court tracks just, to, you know, and I don't like doing that because I'm a half court man to man guy, but I had to do it to get the ball out of their hands so we could get them to play. Otherwise, if we would have sit back in half court, man, they would have held the ball for the whole quarter, you know, so both have their pros and cons, but we're in a unique situation because I've been at the prep school route. I've also coached at the high school route. So I know really how to, I know how to read grade sheets. I know the sliding scale. I know what courses are needed. Um, you know, and a lot of these coaches don't know that, you know, which is sad because when you get to coaching, you know, it's to help kids at the end of the day. And if you don't know what a sliding scale is, what he's got to have after a certain GPA, you're kind of defeating your purpose on why you got into coaching. Uh, coach, I think that's great stuff um, that you talk about. There, there's definitely room for the prep schools and for the regular high schools. And I think you outlined it perfectly on the type of kids that, that should go that route. Like you said, if, they're, if their talents aren't being showcased at a smaller school, I totally get it. I'm still the high school guy, but I, to but I understand it completely. And I think you gave a great explanation, excuse me, explanation to Brian's question. Um, but that'll uh, take us to the end of our podcast for this evening. We're always uh, looking to have you on again, Coach. We'll talk more about after you win the state championship this year at National. Uh, <laughs> Not that we're putting any pressure on you. No pressure uh, you, at all. And you come back and tell us about the state championship game again. Uh, but for my co-host, Brian Rosefield, I'm Chris de Blasio. Thanks to Coach Rich Gatewood. This has been The Greatest Games.